0: In this life, we have many unknowns. We don't have a crystal ball where we can look into the future. I'm sure for many of us, we didn't expect 2020 to be like this, except for God. He knew what was going to happen and he still knows what's going to happen. We have endured a major worldwide pandemic and also we are facing intense politics. Racism, looting, protest, abound in every which way, there's no sports to watch or to play, no entertainment and not the same fun that we're used to. Everyone now is homeschooling or actually that's coming to an end but many are wondering if they're going to be homeschooling come next year. Many people are facing isolation, others, actually many of us are required now to wear a mask. And we're struggling at times because we can't see family, it's harder to travel, we're concerned if we should take a plane or not. We don't see our friends as much as we used to and so we're we're scared and so many of us are not going to vacays this year but rather seeking to staycay. At home. So much has changed. We are grieving the loss. We're grieving more than we even realize. Where we couldn't make a graduation or our birthday wasn't as we hoped. And then maybe we had scheduled, rescheduled graduation and then that fell through too. Or maybe you're hoping for this party or this camp or this retreat and that didn't work out too. And so as we look into Psalm 13, this speaks to the unknowns to the hardships, to the serious situations in this life. And it speaks to the occasion where God's divine response is not there yet. God seems as if He may not care, that He may not be listening at that moment. And so it seems worse. It seems like this situation is ongoing. The suffering is, you just don't know how long it's going to go. And so God wants to address our feelings and our perceptions. And of course, He wants to teach us how to endure, with His grace, the long term. The big picture in this life. Journeying with Him. And so this morning, We are going to look at three expressions of a heartfelt prayer from Psalm 13. So that we can endure the unknowns of life by looking to God Himself and looking through the life of David. So the three expressions we're going to look at are one, expression of sorrow to God. Number two, express supplication to God. And number three, express song to God. And so let's give you a little bit of background. David wrote the psalm. He's at a point in his life where he's being chased uh, for months, if not for years, by King Saul. King Saul is a little bit crazy. Um, and So David is exhausted. He's depressed. David's at his wits hands. He's dispirited. And he is discouraged. And he's basically at the end of his rope, so to speak. And so he comes to a point where he, he's going to cry out to God. He, he is sorrowful and he wants to lament. And so this is what David does in the first two verses of Psalm 13. He expresses sorrow to God. David expresses his sorrow in the form of lament to God. Biblical lament brings anger and protest, and grief and hatred to our Covenant God and before the Throne of God. The God who promises, the God who remembers His people. Lament is a tool that God's people use to navigate pain and suffering. Many of us, I believe, are experienced pain and suffering. The question is, have we used this tool? Lament is a vital aspect of prayer as we turn to God, as He enables us, His people, God's people, to petition to God for God's help to deliver in distress and suffering and pain. So if you look at the first part of verse 1, the psalmist fixes his eyes on God. Lament fixes our eyes and attention to God Himself. Many times we have a temptation when we're stressed or we're suffering to blame somebody. Maybe your spouse. Maybe your friend. Maybe your pastor. Maybe your doctor. Maybe your boss. I don't know. But there's a sense you don't—you can't take it anymore and so you want to just give it to somebody else. And so what David does, he just takes it to God. It's okay. In fact, it's biblical to lament to God. He can take it. He already knows what you're going through. And so David begs this question and says to God, How long, O Lord? It's been going on for a while. And so David steps into this deliberate act of prayer, a discipline of prayer, to pause and look to God. He's not exercising a victim mentality or a knee-jerk reaction. He doesn't have a shallow spirituality or a casualness to him or a don't care attitude. Rather he's honestly looking to God and he opens up in a lament. And he's looking to the one who knows everything and is with him. And so I want you to know that lamenting is spiritually healthy. You know that you're not doing that well spiritually when you seek right away to blame somebody or displace your anger. Yes, I understand there's a place to share. I understand there's a place to bear one another's burdens. But the people around you is not there for blame shifting or for displaced anger. That is sinning against your brother and sister. But I want you to know that God is there for you. And then on the last part of verse 1, lament wonders about God's care. When you're suffering, you're wondering, at times, does God care for me? And so David asks this very same question. He says, will you forget me forever? Many months and years have gone by. And he's wondering, Lord, have you forgotten me since it's been so long? You're not answering my prayers and Saul is still chasing after me and I'm sick and tired of it. And he asked the next question, how long will you hide your face from me? Well, Where is God listening? Is he paying attention? And so we are now in month four of COVID. We don't know how long it's going to go. We don't know when churches will fully be able to meet back. We don't know when life will return to normal it probably won't. Some scientists say that COVID is not going to change. It's it's here and it's part of our life from now on. And so that's this reality. We just don't know what level it's going to be at, but it's here. And our lives are forever changed by it. And we are also in the middle of and struggle of this battle and fight and, and learning process and struggle over police brutality and reform that needs to take place there in the right way. We're being educated in the area of social injustice and the history of African Americans or black people that have been made in the image of God but have been treated poorly. In fact not just poorly in a very sad manner. and. Correction and redemption needs to happen there. There's hurt. There's oppressive systems. There's a lot of changes that need to happen. The string needs to be cut. The chain needs to be broken. Generations of generational sins and poor treatment needs to to stop. And we need to do what we can to turn the corner and move forward. But we're in the middle of it. And we don't know how long it will be. We don't know how long it will take. And so there's a place uh, for brokenness. There's a place that we are to lament the shattered image that we see. And as we lament, I think it's valuable that we would come together with others and lament with them. Lament as a church. And be reminded that we are not there yet. We are not in heaven. We can't expect heaven yet. We are broken, we are traveling in this world, and we can long for Christ's return and his final reckoning and the day that we will be with God one day at home. And so there's a place that we can and should long for heaven. Lament also expresses inner grief in the first part of verse 2. This is what David expressed in his heart, inner grief and turmoil. When he said, how long must I take counsel with my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? The answer to that is we don't know how long that you need to struggle like this. And all the challenges of unfair treatment, hurt, harm, even murder. But I encourage you to deal with it well. To allow the Spirit of God to work in your heart. To repent of your sins first. To ask the Lord for compassion and love. For boldness. As you relate to the Lord. As you lament to the Lord. My hope and prayer is that lament would take place in your life. In our community and, and draw us to the point that we work through our personal guilt and find grace that we would come with others and lament and dwell with them and cry out to God and cry out to Him and wait together and work together for a better future. In the last part of verse 2 lament begs the question of why my enemies seem to be Winning. So this, these are all parts that we touched on next week, last week and we are going to cover the next four verses in more detail. So David begs the question, how long shall my enemies be exalted over me? And this is a deep deep cry as David I think gets deeper and louder as he laments. He's not getting louder because God cannot hear him or because God is death. But he gets louder because this is painful. It is deep. It resides deeply within him. And so he cries out to God asking God, how long will this be? When will you prevail? And we know that God is not slow. We know that God is working out things according to his perfect timing and his perfect will. And we need to remember that. And it's a, it's a longing for the church today to be all that God has called and saved it to be. To be a powerful salt and a bright light in the midst of the city. Now until Christ returns. And so David now shifts from expressing deep pain, sorrow, and lament to expressing supplication to God. David goes from taking his eyes off himself. And the, the pain in his heart. And now he shifts it to prayer. He's able to settle down his emotions and channel it into prayer, deliberate, rational, and thoughtful prayer to God. In verse 3, David prays a very honest and short prayer Consider and answer me, O Lord. He's praying to the Lord and says, Consider me, one of your children, and answer me. Oh Lord. The last phrase is key, he says, light, his, his prayer request is, light up my eyes. Light up my eyes. He knows that his eyes are darkened and he's not able to see everything that God wants him to see and understand. At the depths of his his soul and his spiritual life, to have the eyes of God, to see the things that God wants us to see. And then David says, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In other words, encourage me. Help me to cling to you. Help me to believe in your promises and goodness. Lest I I just die and go to the grave. David was bent. He was worn out to the point he was afraid that he would bring to him early death again. Um, I want to focus in on what David is praying for. That is eyes. God would light up his eyes. And so what does this mean? Well, first of all, I want you to see that David is talking to God himself. The Covenantal God. The God known as Jehovah Jireh. The God of promise and provision. and. The God who is also understood to be El the God of divine power, would open up his eyes, restore his eyes, grant a restoration, a sparkle to his eyes. Literally this means to brighten my eyes. It's an idiom for the renewal of one's vigor, a resolve and passion for God. When Jonathan was out of energy, he ate honey and felt refreshed. My encouragement to you and I is that we would taste and know that the Lord is good. That we would eat bread, divine bread, His manna, His truth, His daily bread for us. And that we would be refreshed. I think many of us are finding our discouragement and our, our suffering because we're not looking to the Lord. We have stopped praying. We're not taking in His truth. We are dry. We find ourselves in a desert, yet God wants to offer you refreshment, divine refreshment. He wants to offer you living water. He wants to be the bread of life to you. It was and is the Lord who provided grace and opened his spiritual eyes to experience God's marvelous grace, power, and experience divine enablement and refreshment in this serious suffering. Of unknowns in this life. It is God who sustains us in the valley of life in the midst of world pandemics and many other hard and difficult situations. David goes on and prays and expresses his heart desire to the Lord, again saying, Consider and answer him. In Psalm 13 verse 4, Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, and lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. So notice David's prayer, he's struggling, he's warning of God, has abandoned him. And David's starting to believe, maybe God has abandoned me. The odds look stacked against me. His army is bigger than mine. I can't run forever like this. And so David is praying that God would open the eyes of his heart that he may see. David is seeking God's face and God's perspective and God's timing and God's will for his life. And the perspective is a little bit like this. I don't know if you've ever played the game of checkers. Whether Chinese checkers or I don't know if it's your American checkers. But you usually have a checkered board is what I'm used to and there's black and white or white and red or black and red checkers. Um, as a kid I used to play this game quite often with my brother and very often with my dad to the point I was I thought I was pretty good. Um, so when I was in sixth grade we had a checkered tournament and we, we had the average math students play against the advanced math student in a a tournament style until we worked it down to the the best of each class would play against each other. And I remember playing and thinking, you know, I'm gonna win this. And so um, I remember playing this game in such a way that I would sacrifice people so I could get ahead or get double jumps. And so as I was studying for this I found out there's a story about an up-and-coming checker player, he's a young man, he was literally beating everyone in sight and at the, he's at a point where he thought he could beat anyone. So he, he wanted to face the best checker player, the legend. And so he headed to Chicago with this in mind to, to beat the best checkered player. And so the young players, as they battled each other um, on the checkered board was knocking piece after piece, one by one, one by one, (coughs) of the legend. And it looked like the legend was going to lose. He was down to two pieces. And then the legend made a move. He jumped, and he jumped, and he jumped, and he jumped, and he went from one side of the board all the way to the other, knocking out four or five checkers at one time. And he said, crown me. And then he used his only other man. He only had two men left. He deliberately sacrificed one to set up his opponent, the younger guy. And then he got his king and jumped jumped all over the table and knocked out the rest of his opponent's checkers in literally one other move. So basically in two moves, he annihilated his opponent. And so the point here, It's not necessarily being an older and younger checker player, but what you see before your eyes is not always the full reality. It may look desperate, it may look grim, but know that God is with you. Know that He is working out His sovereign plan in your life. And know that God will ultimately bust that move. And in the end we know for sure God will have justice. But in this life often he, unders, um, he answers the prayer of his saints. That he would be glorified. That we would find favor in his will. In his perfect time. And so sometime waiting is delivered. Sometime a long period of suffering is for our good and for his glory. And so we know that David experienced great pain and sorrow to God. He went to God in deliberate supplication and now we're going to look at how David expresses song to God in the last two verses. David prays and David looks to God in order to endure the unknowns of life. and So by God's grace through prayer and having submitted himself to God and not his own will and exert his own strength and power David submitted himself to God by suffering and solitude and now song. David moved from tears to truth to triumph by faith in with his covenantal God. So we see the faithfulness in David's life as we come to the last two verses of Psalm 13. David's sadness was transformed to song because he refused to wallow in self-pity. To rely on self but instead This is the key, I believe, to enduring the unknowns of life. Verse 5, he says this, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. He leaned, he had confidence, he relied on, he hoped in. He placed his faith and confidence in God and his steadfast love. His enduring, ongoing, eternal love. He experienced that in the midst of a painful and hard season of life in which we find ourselves in too to different degrees but it's been hard for all of us in different ways and i believe it was at this moment david's heart was not hard but happy his heart was not sad anymore but satisfied in the lord's timing and the lord's plan and the lord's grace and the lord's character he was able to rejoice in God's big picture and sovereign plan of salvation in this life and life to come. David made a choice to rejoice in the Lord and in his plan. And so if you let your mind wander, it typically wanders away from truth. And then you buy into lies and you think the worst of things and the worst of other people at times. And you may get discouraged and you may become depressed. And so I want to warn you of that temptation that's out there and the saint wants to expose in your life. What kind of salvation are we talking about here? There are I think many options and I think maybe all of them are in play. Is this salvation of sin? Sure I'm sure there's doubt and worry and fear in David's life. So maybe it's that sin that's being relieved. What is this salvation from himself? Sure, I'm sure there's things in, in, in David's life that he needs to be spared from. Is this salvation from Saul? Sure, um, he needs a salvation from Saul in this sense because David is a future king that God anointed. So David cannot die now. To David needs to stay alive. God needs to spare David so one day he will be that king. Is this salvation from suffering? Yes. One day, according to God's perfect time, all suffering will come to an end when Christ returns and we die and we join Him in glory. But in this life, God calls us to suffer. Suffering is part of God's will. God gives us grace in our suffering. God gives us hope in suffering. God also gives us one another in our suffering. And so David can sing according to Psalm 13 verse 6. In all this David says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The Lord showed his faithfulness to God. Let's think about this. Is David able to sing because his circumstances has improved immediately? The answer is no. Saul hasn't left. His bullies are still being bullies. They still want to kill him. So the answer is no. Does Saul die and somehow things are better at this point? I don't think so. Did David get a newer and bigger army or some better weapons? The answer is no. Nothing has changed circumstantially better or more in favor for David. So what has changed? What has changed is over the last five verses over a period of time and prayer and lamenting and trusting in the Lord wholeheartedly. And something happened in verse 3 and 4 with David's relationship with the Lord that David now has a different perspective and outlook on his future. Why? because what the Lord has done in his past. If you look at the passage, notice the tense. It is the Lord that has dealt bountifully with David. It is the Lord that provided the necessary grace and sufficiency for David. It is the Lord that is using His presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that made all the difference in suffering. A parent by the name of Thomas Brooks said this, God hath in Himself all power to defend you, all wisdom to direct you, all mercy to pardon you, all grace to enrich you, all righteousness to close you, all goodness to supply you, and all happiness to crown you. David looks to God and begins to experience his sufficient grace in the midst of suffering. And so because of this. You and I and David and all the saints are able to endure with His grace to face the unknowns of this life by trusting in Him. So as a review, when you, we are facing the unknowns of life, God invites you to express your sorrow to Him, to express your supplications to Him and express song to Him. And so, what are some practical applications for us? For some of us, we have ruled our life, the whole our whole entire life, and it's as stressful, as painful and hard, and it's not going that well. I beg you and urge you to come to Christ. Confess your sins and your rebellious way and turn to Him. Repent and seek Him for forgiveness. Some of us may need to seriously lament. You, you just don't lament, you just whine and complain. Try lamenting to the Lord your frustrations and your anger to God. Some of you may need to stop punishing yourself and seek forgiveness and grace. Others of you may need to repent because you have a temptation and a bad knee-jerk reaction to blame others quickly for various things. Your frustration, your anger, your situation. Seek forgiveness from those people in your life. Some of you need to stop leaning on your own understanding and trusting yourself and acknowledge God instead. I want to remind you that God has given us all the grace necessary in this life, in pandemics, in racial tension, in depression, in discouragement, in our personal relationships, in our ups and downs, in this broken and fallen world. There's ample grace for all of us. Turn and look to Him. And know Him. And taste. And know His goodness. And know and rest in His sovereignty that He's working out all things for His glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You so much for the fact that we can have a relationship with You and that we can experience your sufficient grace. Help us to enjoy it and lean in on it and be filled with it and experience it in every way. For those watching and have never placed their faith in you, we we pray that your spirit would help them to do so, that we would trust you as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey church, I love you and you are loved. Miss you. Look forward to the day that we can meet face to face all together. Until then, um, let me know how I can pray for you. Love to visit you, um, and even share communion with you, as the Lord sees fit. Um, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you later.